Okay, hey. Hello everybody, I'm Teddy. And I'm Connor. And you are listening to... Old Man. <laughs> you know, I, love, I love the live cross thing, I love it. I love it, all, it never gets old, it never gets old. It's growing on me each and every time. Exactly, uh, but by episode 10 we're going to be you know, having a great time. We will definitely be sick of it. By then. Not that we're not already having a great time. You know what would be so good? If we could get it into like the right ear and the left ear, like a Beatles album, where they pan it, so it would be like... Hi. It does that. It really does it. Yeah, well, it's sort of left and right. So, so <laughs> for instance, remember that video that I did for Jack with Jim? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason that that had left and right is because it was positioned directly in the middle of it. Oh. So, that's um, awesome. Yeah, and, and you know, when I was in LA, I got told off for typing too loud during a phone yeah. call. Yeah, I was taking notes during a phone call, and Ollie was like, hey, type quieter. And I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, I did, I did. You I got, got told to stop typing so loudly. Yes, I did. Well, you know, because, you know, I... Obviously, now I'm not at uni anymore because yeah. I'm done as of today, which is awesome. But you definitely sit next to people in you know, like a library or something that are like, yeah. And that's, that where, where did you learn to write a typewriter? Like it's a computer. <laughs> you just touch the button and it shows yeah. up. See, it's not like just Mark Twain shit, you know. What if I type that it's computer? That's fine. That's totally fine. Sorry, sorry. This is this won't be on there, of course. No, we maybe leave this in. Yeah, it's a nice bit of uh, banter. Banter, exactly. But hey, Ted, have yeah. you heard the news? What news? I, we have so much to talk about. We do. So much has been happening. Yeah. Um, and more recently, the thing that really shocked me this morning is when yeah. I woke up and I found out that the Vans Warped Tour, yeah. which you know is the, um, is the largest travelling music festival in the United States. So it's a music festival? It's a festival, yeah. yeah. So it, um, it travels from place to place, um, setting up in like car parks and setting up in like, you know, park areas. Right. And people come along, or people used to go along at least, and watch their favourite bands. And yeah. Started in '95, Vans started sponsoring it in '96, and ever since then it's been you know the Vans Warped Tour. Like, um, yeah. it's it's almost more. It's Vans is such a part of that identity, you know, that countercultural skating. Like, they've got their fingers in those pies, so to speak. You know, yeah. they always love putting. I mean, here in Melbourne, they've been putting on a skating thing. But the shoes in those pies, <laughs> they're the souls. You know, they're the soul yeah, of the, the festival. Exactly, they're the, they're the soul of counterculture. But no, I mean, they, they, they lace it all the time. They do all kinds of things. Yeah. In, um, they do all kinds of things in America, in LA, yeah. and stuff about skating because that's the market they appeal to. Yeah. But one big thing they did was this: the Warp Tour, and effectively it brought together the biggest acts who were usually, you know, punk, punk rock, punk pop, mm-hmm. and gave them the chance to go on tour across America yeah. as a part of the tour. And it ah, gave... so it actually took all the skaters and stuff on tour with. Well, not the skaters. The oh, bands. sorry, they're the band. Yeah. So, so effectively, it, it enlisted bands, up and coming artists, um, and up and coming bands, and gave them the opportunity to really prosper and come into their own. And the reason why I'm talking about it today is that it has been confirmed that Warped Tour 2018 will be the last cross country tour. Um, yeah. Apparently, there's plans for some kind of big 25th anniversary thing in 2019. That's when we turn 25, or I turn 25. Wow. So it's been around for as long as I have been alive. Yeah, well, it started in '95. Well, it became. I think it became bands yeah. in '96, but '95 um, okay. was independent. And what bands have come up through the bands tour? Massive mainstays. You know, Blink One Eight Two, uh, Fall Out Boy, Paramore, My oh, Chemical Romance. You can definitely see why they're failing now. You can see <laughs> this is what they're responsible for. Katy Perry. Katy Perry yes, was, 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 was a non. Still out, honestly, yeah. I'm not sure but, about that. But she was a, a non punk act that came up through the same with um. Can you imagine Katy Perry playing to a bunch of skaters and like punk rockers, what that would be like? Yeah, it wouldn't be like my idea of a good time or their idea of a good time. And why is Blink-182 associated with like punk rock? With all the small things. But, but, that's, but that's punk rock, you know? That is punk rock. 
it's like it's like it's, no, it's, it's like, like punk pop. It's like punk pop, you know. It's like um, it's like a very sanitized radio friendly version <laughs> of it. Let's look at that song, man. It's your very first day. Yeah, pop punk. Pop punk. Alternative punk rock, skate punk. They're def- skate punk. Really? They're definitely they're definitely steeped in that school. I mean, you can see how they've like it's kind of like Green Day, you know. Green Day yeah, aren't right. really a punk band anymore, but Green Day were. And definitely have punk influences throughout their work. I suppose so. It's try- Even trying to make punk. They're punky. And it's trying to make punk like a lot more mainstream, I suppose. Yeah. I really like Green Day, though. For some reason, Blink-182, I just don't get around. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I think Green Day are probably a better group than Blink-182 as well. I think it's because Green Day used to have songs in um, WWF when I used to be really into wrestling. Oh, yeah. Green Day songs came up, so I became obsessed with them. In fact, the Vans Warped Tour is a lot like the WWE, the travelling show. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's that kind of platform for people. And yeah, so Yellow Wolf, who is a rapper, who yeah. has been, um, who has had a very tumultuous career, he got his start. Um, it's a great idea, though. Vans Tour. Yeah, it is. And um, I mean, it is, you know, one of the, I've heard it recently, like as of today, because of the cancellation, it's been called, you know, the final um, cross-country American tour. It really is the last pass. Oh, yeah. So they just constantly be travelling throughout America. Well, every year, every year they do it. They, yeah, they travel yeah. for like a number of months. But groups that I groups that I really enjoyed when I was a kid, groups that really formed the backbone. Of, did you like Blink One Eighty Two as a kid? I did not. Well, you were skated. Did you go through a skating phase? No, but I did go through like an, an emo. Pop, <laughs> no a, way. A pop, a pop emo phase. Did you? Yeah. So um, like My Chemical Romance. Well, My Chemical Romance, like, Welcome to the Black Parade is a good album. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I won't have anyone, especially not you, tell me any different. I will absolutely tell you that is not a good album. My <laughs> Chemical Romance sucked. Dude, dude the Welcome to the Black Parade is a good album. You can, you can get lost. Um, it, you, hey, you can fuck off. We can swear on this. I put the explicit tag. Yeah, on, I saw that. I on, saw on that. ITunes, so you can go and fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> the Academy is. The Academy is were a, a favourite of mine. They played bands Walk Tour twice before they broke. Up. Um, the All American Rejects. Oh, yeah, true. Dude, it's all that skater rock, you know. Right. Amity Affliction are a bit more of a. Um, These are all white people as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, punk punk rock is kind of a very white. Genre, you know? Really? Why don't. Why punk rock is like prog rock. It's full of white people. Why aren't non white people into that music, though? I, I think you don't hear a lot of black punk artists, actually. I think it's happening now because there's you're getting that crossover between, you know, like punk and emo and rap yeah. that's becoming very popular. But punk and emo and rap. Yeah, you know, like Little Peep or like Little Peep. <laughs> Whoa. That's so cool, actually. But yeah, the, the, the Beck. Beck played it back oh, in the day. Oh, that's in cool. Back in the late 90s. first ones, that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, there are so many Black names. Black Eyed Peas played, that's which huge. was big for them. Black Eyed Brides were a big name back in the day. Blood on the Dance Floor are one of the most terrible groups ever exist. <laughs> um, brand New, who are recently... Um, Crumbling under sexual assault accusations. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, Spring Me the Horizon. Wait, so the band they sexually assaulted each other? All the people. No, no, no. A member of the band has been accused of it, and it hasn't gone well for them. Their shows have been cancelled. Oh, having a good time, but yeah, no. Um, a lot of uh, you can see that this is a very big list. Oh, but there are it's so interesting. Yeah, a lot of music history in this in this tour, and it's coming to an end. Which I mean, I guess all all good things must come to an end. Whether or not you're a fan of this music, these kind of shows are important. Yeah, but why do you think? Are they saying it's a reflection of where music's going today? Like no. People, is it because of la- lack of audience or like people just aren't as interested in skate, prog, punk rock? I, I don't think there's been an official reason given. Yeah. But the speculation is that, you know, the things that made this tour so prosperous in the 2000s are no longer there. 
Um, recently, I've been I've been you know doing some writing. I've been doing my end of year lists and stuff, and I and I find that artists that really prospered in the middle in the mid two thousands are just coming into are releasing you know consistent work. Yeah. Such as you know two bands that I think of doing that recently, Phoenix and the Killers. Yeah. Who Killers released an okay album, like all right effort the phoenix really is a great album that i really love yeah but neither of them have much success because like the world has changed you know it's not 2009 anymore it's 2017 and, yeah. and trap, is, trap is the new pop you know like you you want to make a charting pop song you want to put you know trap drums on there you want to put Dude, trap is so in. yeah becoming the new kind of pop isn't it and i don't want to sound like some of those old embittered people that are like yeah. oh man what is this new music that the kids are listening mm-hmm. to these days but trap i sometimes get around but trap sometimes it's like, oh man, sometimes I just really don't like it. I like trap. I, I, I mean, like, I, uh, it's not one of those things where you can say whether you like it or not, and it is very case dependent, you know? Like, I, I'd never say that I like pop, because that would include a host of artists that I really don't get around. Yeah, of course. And I, 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 I think the whole idea, I think genres in general in music are starting to die out. Like, I think as music styles start to get influenced from each other, I mm. think saying something's like punk, emo, rap, like, to me, I just sort of go, I don't know what any of that, what those sounds together mean. And so I think genres in general are kind of dying. I think very rarely do you have somebody who is just a rock band or just a rap artist. Like, mm. you know, Eminem released that song with Beyonce, which has no percussion. It's just rap over it, but yeah. otherwise it's just piano, yeah? Yeah. We'll talk about that a bit later. But I think genres are sort of starting to die out in that way. Okay. But I, I suppose yeah. there is still an underlying style to a lot of pop music in like trap music coming out but dude also like so many bands are releasing albums these days that it's almost hard to generalise about what is pop music these days it is hard I mean like Taylor Swift still really I suppose Taylor Swift stuff is oh fuck I mentioned Taylor Swift no alright don't um, like Sam Smith released an album oh that's recently. not a, that's not any better Sam Smith <laughs> why do you hate Sam Smith why dude do you, why do you like Sam the Postal Vote came out okay 61% get with the modern day Connor okay doesn't matter that he's gay he's still a great artist mate Oh, Sam, uh, Sam Smith. <laughs> Sam Smith, yeah, oh. No, I, 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 I have nothing to say. See, now you can't say you don't I, like him. I, 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 I have nothing to say. Um, but, but you have no thoughts on Sam Smith. But no, I mean, I, I think that um, I think that you're right with, with the blurring of genres. And when I think of an artist that blurs genres very effectively, I think of someone like uh, Frank Ocean. Yeah, Frank Ocean. Who has done, you know, very commercial R&B, yeah. very, um, like, more experimental new R&B, into... Into rap, I mean, yeah. like uh, he has on multiple occasions rapped and dropped like pretty good verses. You know, same with Rihanna, for instance. Rihanna is, is oh, yeah. un- unironically a top ten female rapper at this point, and she's yeah. not even really she's such know, a female singer. rapper. Yeah, she's just, so she's just a brilliant versatile star. Yeah, and, and so I mean, I think that they're being barriers are being broken down, but with the Vans Warped Tour, there just oh, isn't so. that kind of there just isn't that kind of uh, audience anymore. There just isn't that kind of like you don't have those stars being emerging from the depths and you know you don't have Paramore breaking out because there's no room for a band like <laughs> Paramore, Paramore or Australian out. weren't they Paramore are not an Australian band. dude I swear Paramore Australian man I'm telling you Paramore, Paramore the guys that sing you that's Evermore oh Paramore really? did um, Misery Business Paramore are one of the <laughs> Paramore are one of the biggest um, like you know emo rock they also released a brilliant new album this year which I'm counting amongst my favourites um, which yeah. is just kind of it's like Beck's album a lot actually it's very poppy you yeah, know, really from Franklin, way. Tennessee. Yeah, uh, but, um, but H- Hattie Williams, you'll know, her, her voice is um, pretty much like has always been one of the group's best assets. She's an incredible singer. Yeah. Um, 
That's beautiful. In fact, recently, Little Uzi Vert, big rap star, said that his biggest influence musically was Hayley Williams, which is a very interesting, very interesting pick for an artist who you know is steeped in trap and stuff. Yeah. To say that Hayley Williams is what got him, you know, really inspired him to become a musician. And it's one of those things when you talk about the progression of music as well. Like I know a lot of people in our dance generation, for example. That talk about the incoming of disco in like the seventies that mm. totally destroyed like the classic rock of like the late sixties, early seventies rock that these guys have gone down as like legends now. Yeah. Like there aren't too many people alive today that haven't heard like a, a Led Zeppelin song or like mm. a who else is up there? Like, you know, the Beatles even. Freaking Pink, um, Pink Floyd. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Pink Floyd. Any like who else? These legends, that legendary time. Um, I think disco came and sort of ruined that. And now with just the prevalence of music and the abundance of stars out there, I wonder sort of what the future holds for music, especially with how we, you know, take it in now, listen to mm-hmm. it. Do you, well, I suppose the first question is, who do you think is going to be remembered as like a legend of our time? Who do you think in like 30, 40 years time when our kids are listening to the music that's around now, who will they still listen to? Who will be like the Led Zeppelin of modern day times? Like the Rolling Stones of... Kanye West. One day. Yeah, I think probably Kanye. Ka- but that kind of pisses me off because Kanye really knows he will be. Kanye West is the is the biggest rock star at the moment. And the thing about it is that like... You think he's the biggest you... rock star in the world? Yeah. Well, well, think about it this way. Rock stars, like rock music is about challenging the system and rock music is about, you know, it, it, it's about being like a... Like, being a rock star is being abrasive, you know? I think yeah. of all the people that you would classify as rock stars. Kanye West is assuredly one of those. And I think yeah, rap is actually becoming, like, rappers are the new rock stars these days, which isn't, isn't a harsh cake, because, you know, rappers will make political songs against Donald Trump and stuff, and they'll yeah. get traction with that, you know? In the same way that someone like Creedence Clearwater would have done back in the day. We discussed that. We discussed that last week, exactly. So, like, I think that, um, I think that Legends of the Game, you know, Jay-Z is always going to be there. Legends of the Game. Beyonce, you reckon? Uh, yeah, but Beyonce probably, but I think that her out, she hasn't been as kind of like prolific as Rihanna, who's kind of put out, I think, uh, I think Rihanna's done a lot more. Yeah. Um, what about, um, uh, someone like Taylor Swift? Oh, <laughs> damn it, I did it again. I no, but honestly, I, 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 I think she could the go down. The artist that we're not allowed to name. Do you reckon she'll go down in history? Yeah, look, she's on a good run at the moment. She could definitely, I mean, she's definitely already gone down in history for the numerous accolades, such as, um, she co-wrote all the songs on her Grammy winning debut. And that was like a big deal when that happened. Um, what about um, uh, someone like who's someone different, different from that from that fold? With any luck, so I'd say someone like um, well, you got MF MF Doom will always be an underground legend. Hopefully, someone like um, exactly. someone like he'll never make it to the mainstream. Though, you would say not really. I mean, he, I mean, even even cursory rap fans are very aware of MF Doom's existence, but he would never have like you know a charting song or anything. Well, especially Kendrick. at this point, Kendrick is yeah, Kendrick is like Kendrick's made. Two classic albums, and, 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 he, and that's, like that's not even a star. Is he like a rock star? He has that. I don't know if he's a rock star. He's I don't like, know whether he'll be influencing people in like forty years' time. And that's the other thing I have: all these rappers, all this trap music. I suppose we're yet to see it, and they must have thought about disco legends or like rock and roll legends of the sixties. Hmm. What is it going to be like when all these guys are like eighty years old? Like, are any of these guys going to be like the Stones and still be like rocking when they're playing? Yeah. Or are these guys going to be like 80-year-old guys rapping freaking verses over trap tracks? Like, are we, oh, how would that work? Are we going to be like, you know, maybe, maybe it could be like, you know who's going to be, you know who's going to be remembered? <laughs> What's Snoop Dogg going to be like when he's 80 years old? Snoop Dogg is not a legend and he will not be remembered as so. such. You don't reckon? Do you reckon Snoop Dogg's a legend? I reckon Snoop Dogg's a legend. Snoop Dogg's a, a, a fantastic celebrity, but he's not a legendary musician. 
Yeah, I suppose maybe not because of his music, but he might go down as a celebrity. Dre, what about Dre? Yeah, I mean, oh, Dre shit. is a producer, yeah. Maybe kind of, he's more 90s. I he? mean, he's already got a film about him. Yeah, he, already, he, already, he already got straight out of Compton. That was already nominated for an Oscar. The guy's going down in history full stop. And he made that happen for himself. So, you know, good on him, um, I guess. But um, Why isn't Dre, by the way, being clogged down in like sexual assault allegations? Because everyone knows. Because Dre pleaded no contest to beating the shit out of D. Barnes in 1991. Dr. Dre beat three women and it wasn't in the movie. He really, they really. That was, he that's he, he was an executive did. producer. He sanitized that. He he cleaned his image for the film, and then Dee Barnes came out and said, "I saw the film, and it was missing the part where he beat me and two other women." And, wow. and it's, it, it's not even an allegation. Like he played no contest to assault. So he said, "I did it," and he, he people have kind of forgotten about it. Now, he threw her down a set of stairs at a party because she said something bad about him on a news report like a year and a half earlier. Oh yeah, Doctor Dre. Doctor Dre is like a, a, a fucked up dude. Now, now he's a billionaire, but he's a fucked up billionaire. And his son died of heroin overdose. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So. Yeah, pretty fucked up. <laughs> Still, <laughs> swings and rounded the house. Yeah. <laughs> but no, speaking of, speaking of legends in the future, yeah. I think uh, we should touch on the new Eminem song. Yeah. Because on the, in the first episode of, of uh, Old Mansion, we yeah. spoke about Eminem's BET cycle, yep. which was, you know, just as much a political statement as it was kind of, you know, ramping up to something. Yep. Like, he hadn't done anything in a long time, he yep. hadn't said anything in a long time, and his emergence at the cycle was, a, was big news, you know, it was announced like 12 hours beforehand, yep. everyone was like clamouring for it, yep. and he's come through with um, a new single that features Beyonce. Yeah. Really cool song. Really different. Uh, very different for Eminem. It still has the same sort of bitterness. Um, and more kind of like what we were talking about in that first episode is how his kind of perception of himself has changed from like being you know rapping originally about how he came from shit and was just like white trash then he raps about how now he's famous everyone gives a crap about him and then he raps about how he's a cultural icon now that <laughs> pisses him off and then because we said he got rich and famous he just got kind of shit for a while and then this song comes out he also has a really good verse on that uh, pink song called Revenge Oh, the, he does a great verse on it. He's actually so good. Like, I really like it. Again, it's about his ex-wife, so he just raps about how he's really pissed off at her. Um, so again, going back to like that... that Man, all that Eminem raps about that. is things that he's pissed off about. That poor Kim. I wonder why she's like... Actually, no, I don't really worry, wonder about that. Yeah, no, but, but I can understand. Like, uh, There is a person behind yeah. every single veiled threat that Eminem has ever made. There, there was an actual deliberate target. It wasn't like a general, like, you know... I'm going to kill you all. Yeah, it wasn't a general boy band kind of like talking to girls in a general manner. Yeah. It was like, there is a person out there that Eminem is, is directing this at. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that makes me... Uh, I've said on the record when we've just been talking in the past that yeah. that kind of thing makes me a little bit uncomfortable. What? The, the, the pointedness of Eminem's... Fury and the, the the fact that he uses the slim shady persona to justify that. Well, I don't think the persona is separate enough from his two direct, two direct. Yeah, well, well, I think if you go and have a persona that says outrageous things, you know, incendiary, really like violent things, it needs to really be someone that isn't you. And I think slim shady is a kind of lazy way of going about that, you know, because like slim shady, let's say he says this is a slim shady song, yeah, and you're like, yeah, but still rapping about. Kim and shit like is Slim Shady just you or <laughs> maybe it's like all these like messed up weird thoughts yeah he puts them like in a box over here true but I, I think that there's no reason to do that if there's not an actual distinct character to it you know because that's yeah. kind of like it's almost like a preemptive excuse he's like it's not me it's this guy 
Like, why would you do that if you weren't going to rum? It was Slim yeah. Shady, I swear. Why, why would you do that if you weren't going to rum with some kind of, like, yeah. actual alter ego thing, you know? And some artists have done that. You know, they've gone out, like, doing or do a project as an alter ego and yeah. change things up. But when Eminem does an alter ego stuff, it's just really just, like, he writes a song and he stamps Slim, Slim Shady on it. And I'm like, all right. You know, everyone's like, oh, it's a Slim Shady song. Yeah, okay, I see that. That's, that's my main... I think it's like... Yeah, Eminem is a really... I'm... Jury's out for me on Eminem. I mean, I I enjoy what he does, and I think the stuff that the the violence that he's aired to uh or like the really exercising yeah. those uh those demons is like a good thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's the way he goes about it is a uh, is a bit yeah it's a bit con, con, I mean it's meant to be confrontational, but it um it really throws me. Yeah. Though, though this new song, you're right. I mean, like, I think this new song was as like I'm. I am a firm believer in even with my dislike of Eminem, I feel as though he's his best is behind him kind of thing. You know, yeah. he had he had that spate in the late nineties, early two thousands, mid two thousands that was kind of like. So do you reckon he will go down as a legend? He will go down as a legend, undeniably. Really? Yeah. Think about Pink Floyd. Like, who who talked about like Pink Floyd albums post? I don't know the wall. Like the Vision Bell is a good album. Yeah. But, but like no one talks about the division bell it exists it's there yeah. but um, I think the same thing will happen for Eminem you know? he will have a swathe of classics that people will always reference and, everyone and, just sort of and that period will be his golden period yeah. but no matter how he keeps going on I mean he's already like significantly taken a risk with his legacy by coming out against Trump and having a whole like if you go online and look at the discussions about Eminem now you will see that there are like a lot of people that are really thrown by that people that were kind of like I support both these people but now he's like he's is, my president I really would not care I don't get why people identify so heavily with their president where a rapper says hey you can't listen to my music if you like this guy not a rapper the only white rapper and the or the only white rapper that these people would listen to like, 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 like think <laughs> don't about forget, it don't forget our man um, freaking Macklemore. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, think about it. Like, like you listen to Eminem and you like yeah. his style. Macklemore's recent album had a song called White Privilege 2. Like, people that listen to Eminem, people that listen to Macklemore uh, are not the same. There's no crossover in yeah. the Venn diagram there. Yeah. Well, if you, if you subscribe to the beliefs outlined within, you know, you're not... You, yeah. you, you're definitely, um, definitely a bit conflicted in that regard. So, I mean... But it's like when... Um, what's the name of the chick from the Fugees? Oh, Lauren Hill. It's like when Lauren Hill says, I make music for black people. White people are not allowed to listen to my music. Mm. Or XXXTacion says, if you haven't been depressed, you can't listen to my music. Yeah, but you'll still listen to it. I don't care what you think. Well, do you feel guilty listening to the Fuji's albums? No, I don't feel Lauren guilty Hill listening to Lauren Hill. Like, I'm like, like, pay your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel guilty the more people don't listen to Lauren Hill. Like, yeah, man, Lauren Hill should be compulsory. But yeah, I mean, I think gatekeeping your art is a... Um, Gatekeeping <laughs> That's what it's called Is that what it's called? Yes It's such a settlers of Catan term Gatekeeping is like Oh you like Pink Floyd Name three albums Kind of thing You know Like when you yeah. try to um, Or I get it <laughs> Or the classic You like this dick baby <laughs> <laughs> Name three of its albums um, But uh, Yeah no So, so Gatekeeping your fan base Is always going to be pretty shitty But I mean I, I understand what Eminem did And I enjoy that he did it I like the statement And I think it's very In keeping with You know Eminem as like as much as people might say you know this is shit Eminem's yeah. gone to trash like isn't that something that Eminem would do yeah. like like saying fuck you to your base of support over a political thing is so Eminem you know like yeah, like exactly. fuck I don't need you kind of thing like is that not the most Eminem thing that Eminem has done in years starts shitting on his face it's more Eminem than like Rap God 
or more Eminem yeah. than like that entire album, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like so, so I think that bodes well, um, and I think the single is yeah. Look, it's not bad. It's it's not bad. It's it's good even, but um, yeah. I think it is a bit kind of like. I do like the introspective side of it, but it does come off sounding a bit like a Macklemore song to me, yeah, which true. is the which is just like I don't think I could ever use that in a good way. I mean, Macklemore's not a terrible dude, but he just doesn't make very good music. Speaking of uh, legends, people that are going people are people sorry that are going to go down in history. Um, you had a bit of news about Neil Young. What he just announced? Yes, yeah, Neil Young. He just announced that there's a he's uh, putting an archive online of all of his music. Yeah. released and unreleased That's and so it's cool. initially going to be free yeah. it's initially going to be free it comes out on December 1st um, and when he put out the statement he said that you can listen to it at the highest quality that your machine will allow oh, so, so uh, nice. and you were saying that Neil Young was working with Steve Jobs yeah so my knowledge I've listened to a few interviews with Neil Young about this because I got really into this for a while so apparently Neil Young hates an mp3 or an mp4 file he says it's the worst way to take in music because it's stereo which is left and right as opposed to mono. Yeah, which is a single track. Which is a single track. And he says, when you listen to stereo, you get the width of the sound. This is actually what he said. Stereo, you get the width of a sound, but mono, you actually get the depth. And so most, you have stereo system, right? That's when you've got left and right. Most music we listen to is based off stereo because it's compressed down to a format that we can download on our computers. On a CD, for example, right? That's got to be compressed. On a vinyl record, you don't have that same pressure and you can play it um, you know, through a mono system and really hear what Neil Young calls the depth. He has produced his own form of music, a music listening device called Pona, which is like a box, kind of like a, a box maybe the size of like a, a, a bit bigger than a TV remote or something that you put in, you can plug in, you can load songs onto it and listen to songs. I think they're... Um, I think they're WAV files, WAV files, yeah. however. Which, are, which have, are a bit bigger than MP3s. They're bigger and they're higher quality, but I have to check that out. Other than that, all I know is that he prefers it as his own method of listening to music. And so he was working, working with Steve Jobs really intensely, trying to find the best way for consumers to listen to music. Because I know quality is something he cares a lot about. So what he did um, was try and work this out, but unfortunately Steve Jobs died and they didn't quite get a good act together. I think we get something good together. But yeah, so him releasing this archive talking about um, how much uh, he wants to release to everybody and get everyone listening to his whole suite of music. I find that so incredible. Mm. When you say it's free at the start, you're saying that it's going to cost money eventually. Well, all I've seen is that it will initially be free. So yeah. like, I think that initially is a qualifying thing suggests that if you want to get onto this, yeah, you should do that at, Decem- at the 1st of December. Like, yeah, if, yeah. if you want to have a look at all of these released and unreleased Neil Young songs yeah. in... Shockingly high quality, then don't, <laughs> then you know, don't. I can hear it's high, falsetto, <laughs> so clear. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't put that off until after Christmas, you know. I would, I would like be there on the 1st of December, it's so putting cool. some time aside to really get into that. I swear, what everybody in the music industry is trying to do now is find an alternate way to kind of monetize what they're doing and find an alternate way to get music to people, get people caring about it and listening to it. Because, like we were talking about, the way we consume music is very different to how we used to. Like even when we were younger, like mm. very invention of like you know iPhones and stuff, Spotify, Street, yeah, streaming services, streaming services. Changed the game. Like I, I remember when that first when streaming services first became a thing, and I was like, you're telling me I can pay ten bucks and I can listen to anything? Exactly. And of course, there are still ways that they're trying to figure this out. I honestly don't know where Spotify is wanting to take this. I'd be really interested to see 
what they see the future of listening to music being. Ultimately, ultimately though, sorry, it does seem kind of crazy that you can pay $10 and get almost an infinite, well, not an infinite, but like a huge... Like, a nine. Well, yeah, exactly. Like far more than I would ever bother to listen to. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder whether that's the best way for us to consume music these days. Yeah, the thing is, it probably isn't from an artist's perspective. Oh, you yeah. probably have a better... I wonder whether... I, I'm sure these already exist. In fact, I was looking up a few that exist. Um, sort of underground indie streaming services that hmm. get money off advertising. But maybe the future of music, it'll be, oh, you subscribe to like a an indie like streaming service if you want to listen to indie songs. Or you hmm. subscribe to like, you have a bunch of... Or like record streaming run. services. Record run streaming services or something. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which could be interesting because I mean, like there are some there are some records record labels today, such as you know Top Dog Entertainment, who in LA who rep some really cohesive artists. You know, yeah. so Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, Scissor, uh, J Rock, yeah. Lance Skywalker, all of those people are on the same label, and it's only like a nine person label, but the the output is very you know fo- laser focused in a certain. Like genre, for instance. Ah, so you'll actually pay this record label to get access to the cheats. Well, I, I think that like if there was to be that kind of innovation, it would lend itself to labels that represent a certain kind of sound or a certain kind of like image. But with all the crazy record labels out there, like, do you think that we are actually going to? Would you pay like ten dollars a month to like twenty different record labels just so you could get access to all their music? Probably not. I mean, like, the thing about it is, it's that fine line between being a consumer and respecting the fact that artists need more money. You know. Yeah, I really don't get how it works. I really don't get the best way to make it work. Yeah. Alas, you know, this is a problem that we're going to have to solve at another time. Yeah. And so, what record have you got for us this week, Ted? Excellent, excellent segue. Let's break this down, talk about albums of the week. Now, what I have chosen today is an album I found out literally Monday exists. So I'd never heard of this before. I've heard it on Monday. I got really into it. I really like the sound by a Sydney-based Aussie band called Polish Club. Okay. Now, Polish Club have been around for a while. They are, interesting to say the least, they are known as the sweatiest band in Sydney. Um, and when I heard that, I was like, man, that just sounds kind of gross, but also very interesting. Um, they're a two-piece, so like drums, guitar, and I really love that, but they are a classic rock band, so they have a loud rock sound. Um, they bring in other artists, obviously, to play on their albums to like figure out the sound. But when they tour, it's just drums and guitar, and I really dig that. So two guys in it, um, David Novak and John Henry. Uh, they do a great like a version on Triple J. They've got an album that they uh, released a little while ago, but have just started to release globally. It's just started to be picked up. Uh, and... Um, the album's called All Right Already. So there's a few great tracks on that. Uh, I want to put a song from, not necessarily from this album, from an EP they released earlier on our playlist. I think it's a great introductory track. Get into it. But it's that classic, loud, rock and roll sound, uh, which is kind of, I suppose, dying out now, especially as like trap becomes popular and everything. But these guys just do what they do. They do it well. And the fact that they're gaining success means that you know, people are still resonant to that sound. Yeah, exactly. There's always going to be a market for a really sweaty rock show, you know? like Yeah, I... it's just... And it's very rare that we actually go to a show like that. Like, you know, we just go to... I went to a sick rock and roll concert last week. And when you just go to a classic, sweaty rock and roll show, where people stage dive, uh, you know, you just... Yeah, that real, that real organic. Um, yeah. It's like it's a really uncurated experience, you know. Everyone's yeah. just doing their thing. You honestly cannot beat it, in my opinion. So I'm a really big fan of these guys, Polish Club. Uh, 
kick them out. They have some funny, funny videos. Um, and they recorded this album in the States, I think. So they're starting to get a bit of international presence. I just yeah, exactly. That was really bad. That's fine. <laughs> no, there are no, I think we put the explicit tag on so you can... Ah, very nice. That's exactly what I, what I you know, saw coming when I put it on. <laughs> but no, that's, that sounds really great. I mean, oh, cool. I think um, a, good, uh, a good segue even because like you, you're talking about like a, a live music scene... And I've got a really, a really organically instrumental album um, that's also a, yeah, a really experimental. It's kind of a messy one, this one. It's called um, The Drum Chord Theory. Yeah. And it's by uh, Matt Martins, who, is, who has been a member of Odd Future before yeah. it was defunct. Um, and is also a founding member of The Internet and The Jet Age of Tomorrow, which are another... Of future affiliated group, and after Ego Death came out, the, the internet's most recent album, uh, a bunch of people from the internet, namely three, so Steve Lacey, mm-hmm. who is a teenage guitarist whose production is recently featured on Kendrick and Tyler's album, uh, Sid, who is a female singer, is famous for her feature spot on Catherine Artist's most recent <laughs> album, and Martins, who yeah d- decided to put out solo albums, and so everyone did. And Martins, the drum chord theory was the first to come out. It came out January twenty sixth. Australia Day, um, and yeah, it's uh, what twelve track album. Martins writes everything. He gets production assists from Steve Lacey, uh, internet bandmate. Uh, Tyler, creator, only appears as a producer, so he produces the um, the collaboration that features Sid and Steve Lacey on you know vocals and instrumentation. Um, he also produces Calling On Me which is another great song but yeah it's just like it's a really organic funky jam it combines elements of like trip hop like really strange looped synthetic drums with just you know a jam um, a real like you know dense instrumental kind of sound Um, songs often vignette into small outros so for instance one of my favourite songs on the album um, Diamond in the Rough which is spelt as I've pronounced it I'm not just being cruel um, it has a whole minute at the end where it, it segues into an entirely different beat gets really improvisational there's kind of like a uh, there's a phone conversation going on in the background and that's the kind of um, it's kind of relaxed solo, solo album atmosphere that Martins really runs with and I think he does it more so than uh, Sid and Steve do on their solo releases this feels the most creatively liberated he can do whatever he wants because you know he's not in the internet anymore at this point. So he really, um, he really takes us for a ride. And as much as it doesn't always land, um, and it doesn't always go, it, it, I mean, like there are sounds on here that you'll like, and there are sounds on here that you won't like. It's a very varied record, um, but yeah, I think it's worth spotlighting as a record that has been largely overlooked. That features great production, great songwriting from some of the most promising. Uh, figures in neo soul hip hop at the moment, so I highly recommend you check that out. Sweet, dude, sounds interesting. I love it. I think um, all those styles are like, yeah, they certainly sound like they blend well together. And the stuff you were playing from it before, so funky. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's exactly. just got a great groove to it, and the, a great feel. The funk cannot be uh, cannot be understated. Do uh, <laughs> do check it out if you're in the mood for some funk. Which yeah. why wouldn't you be? You know, who isn't Honestly. in the mood for some funk? And if you wake up and you're like, you know what, I don't feel like funk today. It's just not your day. It's, exactly. It's, you shouldn't be in fact, in fact if you wake up and feel like that, then listen to this, because this will put you in a funk. Uh, and then you'll be like, why, why did I not want this? This, yeah. morning, this is, I'm in a good I was, I was so mistaken when I thought that I didn't <laughs> want funk, you know? I was, I was so wrong. 
Very nice. It's very nice. Speaking of funky, funky tracks. Oh, yeah? Do you want to put together a really fire-ass 10-song playlist for... Oh, mate, nothing would make me happier for all our listener out there. Hey, Doug, how are you going? Yeah, hey, Doug. <laughs> em, if you've made it this far, I am honestly like... Em. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. What because do you think? Em's such a good... I, I love it. It was so cool. Oh, mate, me too. Honestly, cannot overstate it. Awesome. And Em, if you're listening this far, honestly... Yeah. Just listen to the end for us. Please. <laughs> <laughs> this playlist. Let's dedicate this playlist to Em. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, yeah, Doug. Is, yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first track that I want to start off this uh, post with is from the album that I was talking about. It's called Beeping by Polish Club. Heavy rock song, well arranged. Got some great lyrics in there. Just a song to just give a bit of rhythm to your life. So I love this album uh, and I, I love this song. So this is from the EP. It's not from the album that I was talking about before, but a great entry into just hearing what Polish Club are about. Fantastic. Well, my first song um, to change things up a bit. I, I feel like we're getting a bit of a pattern here, Ted. Like yeah. people can people can like see what's going to happen every week. You're going to give us, <laughs> you're going to give us one type of song. I'm going to give yeah. us another type of song, and we're going to put them together and, and make an all rounder. The jury, so the jury is still out as to whether this meshed up playlist, and I say meshed up, not messed up, uh, like pleasing to listen to, or like just really confusing. Because you know how some people. I remember I once did a, a DJ gig at a twenty first and. Because my music taste is like so weird and just eclectic, like I love just putting random songs out there that people just haven't heard in ages. And some guy actually came up to me and was like, mate, pick one fucking style and stick with that. I was like, dude, fuck off. Like, who the hell? I mean, I suppose some people just want to go and hear like R&B or some people just want to hear a rap song. But honestly, when I listen to my iPod, if I'm like going to, like if I'm just walking around or whatever, and listen to... Um, my iPod I just get the weirdest range of all time I go into like classic rock to like mm. disco to modern trap stuff to like weird 90s like rap to classical music and I love it I love the mixture but some people are really exactly it. some people really like the curated playlist like I know that I have all my playlists separated into different feels and different emotions and different places and genres Did you are so that guy from High Fidelity you are so <laughs> yeah man I'm just you know, twice as lonely <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway my song my song um, is off an album that I have actually yet to check out, but that I want to spruik anyway. Uh, it's the it's not the first single, but it is a single off Sci um, High the Prince's new album. Sci High the Prince is of course famous for having one of the best verses on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Kanye's 2010 magnum opus, and he worked a lot on the writing of the Yeezus, though he doesn't actually appear on any tracks. He um, he helped Kanye put together the uh, the lyrical content. Um, but since appearing on that 2010 album, he actually hasn't released his own debut. And so people have kind of been eagerly awaiting in the same way that people have been eagerly awaiting a J Electronica album. People, you know, it's like one of those things that almost seemed mythical. Um, and earlier this week, I saw people saying, I can't believe that Saha the Prince actually released his album because, you know, like that was just never going to happen. Everyone knew it. Um, but that side, the single, is um, features Kanye West with a you know, a really pleasing uh, feature. His first since early, far earlier in the year. Um, and yeah, I think it's a bit reminiscent of that part um, by Kendrick, or by um, Schoolboy Q, another track that features Kanye West. But um, yeah, it's, it's overall a good song. It's not, it's not the greatest thing, but I think like you should really give it a good listen. It's a bit predictable, 
it's also an awesome listen. So, you know, it's the kind of song that I would not listen to if I was looking for deep introspective rap, but the kind of song I listened to if I felt like I was a real badass, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like if I wanted to flex on people, like <laughs> that side would be my would be my flexing song. Nice. Well, if this song you listen to to feel badass, second song you listen to when you just like feel like the absolute not anti-badass, like the opposite of a badass. And that's because this guy I'm going to talk about is a guy I reckon you would really like. His name is King Cruel. Have you heard of it? Yeah. I did, of course. The ooze came out. Yeah, exactly right. So, of course, you know about King Cruel. So, I reckon King Cruel is like modern day Rick Ashley, just not a meme. Um, and because he is like this really tall, skinny, redhead, like pasty white guy who sounds like a huge, like fat black guy. Like, his voice is so deep and so soulful. I absolutely love Like, you know, Rick Ashley never going to give you what people always say. Yeah, that it was a front. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was like a really appealing front for white people to get into black music. But no, <laughs> he just really was a, a red-headed what? guy who had a really good voice. Do they think that a black guy actually sang that song? But they, when it, made, when, when, it, when, when it first came out, people yeah. were like, this is this is a front, right? Wait this a minute. A, this is a stitch-up, surely. But it was not <laughs> a stitch-up. It was just him. He just had a really deep, sultry voice. He did, yeah. Well, Tinkerbell was the exact same. Like, he's uh, an English singer. He raps on his stuff sings over his stuff produces it all himself and um, is just a perfect he plays guitar but also has like just great beats behind it um, yeah it's a mix between that trip hop sort of like jazz kind of um, yeah sort of, sort of like trip hop is a really is a really great sweet spot between hip hop and jazz yeah dude, it's great man like Porter's Head yeah oh man Porter's Head it's sort of that music that you just sort of sit down and, and stare at a wall to and just really think for a while mm. I really like it so this song that I'm putting on is Baby Blue yeah. which is a beautiful relaxed song it sort of goes many places but I remember just when I first heard it I was just sitting down relaxing and came on I was like what is that um, and you know just when a song comes on perfectly captures the mood that you're feeling in a moment this is, it's also that typical like London sound, like that produced modern, um, you know, sort of like the, what we were talking about, the Rex Orange County. I was going to say, you're on a roll with the, uh, with the London. Yeah, the real sort of, the British scene now, I think is, um, it's really, it's really stating itself as something unique. It's not quite yeah, the it's, it, tramp. It, it, it's really stuff. diversifying, going yeah. in weird directions, isn't it? Like, it's really got, the trip hop, I suppose, is what I call it. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Fantastic. Good recommendation. I, I'm actually yet to check out the ooze, but I've heard that it's very good. Yeah. Um, I've, heard, I've heard only good things about it, and this is another another recommendation. Another thing. Well, my second song is a song uh, called "Blue in Green" by a local Houston rapper um, that I stumbled upon early this year um, in January uh, called Anti Lily. Um, that's he did a collaborative album with a producer, also Houston based, named Phonics, where they flipped, you know, old jazz samples and he just rapped over them, you know. It's not jazz rap in the kind of a uh, tribe quest kind of mm-hmm. way, but it's just very traditional, like the beats are jazz-based. They sound very jazz-based. And he raps over them. And I, I just I just really like it. It's a really earnest, genuine expression of art. Um, it's a really catchy song. It builds on... I, I think Blue and Green is originally by Miles Davis. Yep. Um, yeah, it builds on that blue and green beat, um, which has been sampled in a whole host of rap songs. It must be one of the more sampled, um, must be one of the more sampled jazz tunes. It's kind of a standard at this point. And no, I think he does something special with it. And the, the rest of the album is also definitely worth checking out. He's a uh, he's an artist on the rise. He's doing he's released his second collaboration with Phonics earlier this year after a four year hiatus due to uh, depression that he's very candid about on that record. But this record also deals with, you know, those kind of feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of how am I going to 
rise above and continue to do this in the face of adversity, which is, um, <laughs> which is a classic. <laughs> I'm, I'm not projecting. I'm just the fact that I'm recommending the song is the song really good. It's really good. Okay. Please understand me, everyone. <laughs> Next, Nirvana, and then Nirvana, and then more Nirvana. Okay. Um, so, uh, the next song I have is just a fun, happy song that I heard, um, and I have not stopped listening to it. It's got such a good groove to it. It's by Dan Auerbach, who's otherwise known as like half of the Black Keys. Yes, of course. So, he's the guy without the glasses and the Black Keys. He's got the beard, yeah? The yeah, the guy, yeah, the cool, the guy who sings, the guy with a really cool voice. Yeah. So, the Black Keys have sort of, not split up, but I think they've sort of taken a hiatus working on their own sort of projects. So, the other guy from the Black Keys, um, uh, whatever his name is. Uh, Non-Dan Non, Not Dan Auerbach. He wrote the Bojack Horseman theme track, so he's really cool. Oh, it. that's right. Um, with his... With his, uh, with his uncle, who yeah. plays, who plays sex. Yeah, that's a mad. That is a great song. Explode. And, and, <laughs> and the um the outside the um outro track is by Group Love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think that Dan Auerbach has just you know taken some time to produce his own album. I haven't heard too much of his solo stuff, but this album is really good. You know when you are at high school and you had a creative writing task, and your teacher always sent you the task, okay, write a story. And you'd be stuck there, you'd be like, oh man, I have to write a story. And the temptation was to always write a story about how you can't write a story. Mm. Right? You'd write a story about how you're a kid sitting there, and you just got to write a story about how you can't write a story. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's exactly. Like me, right? No, no, it, it, it is definitely a thing. So, Dan Auerbach's album is called Waiting on a Song. And it is about how he cannot write the song, or how he's just waiting for a song to come to him. And it's the title track of this album. And it's a pretty good song. Like, it, I actually really like it. But... For me, the best track from it is this track called Malibu Man, which is great production, got a great group through it. It's all about sort of dealing with the phoniness of living in Malibu and like how we thought it would sort out all these problems and it hasn't quite like really done anything. Hmm. Really, really cool track. Very different to like Black Key stuff, but I think if you're into it, you'll really dig it. Yeah, no, that, that, that's what you want. I mean, you don't want it to go away and make the same thing. You really want the Black Keys to be a product of collaboration. Exactly. It's cool. Do you find like do you find like it shows you what he brings to the group, or is it different? Yeah, kind of. It's very different. Black Keys I've always seen as that loud, heavy rock thing. Yeah, exactly. That and that really classic scream and eagle kind of stuff. Exactly. This is a lot more poppy. Mm. I think. Very fair. Very fair. My next song, um, continuing my trend of rappers, um, is a track by Kilo Kish, who is a. Uh, LA-based creative who dabbles in a lot of different mediums, but is best known for being a rapper and singer. Mm-hmm. She um, released an, a mixtape called K Plus a few years ago. It has Donald Glover on it. It has um, Flatbush Zombies on it. It has Vince Staples on it. You know, it's oh, ASAP. Um, ASAP Ferg is on it. She appeared on Because the Internet on the track Zealots of Stockholm for information. She appeared on uh, some Gambino mixtapes. She's got a long working history with Gambino, but she's also on the new Gorillaz album this year and features, she's all over um, Vince Staples' Big Fish Theory, which is his new album. So, you know, she's got a lot of presence in terms of being a guest spot and a featuring artist. But she, um, about, it was last year, last year she decided, or the year before last, she decided that she had got to a certain point in her life and she hadn't made an album that encapsulated exactly how she feels about things. She made a lot of projects that were really good rapping projects and really good, like, beat-driven projects. But she wanted to make something to really, like, you know, uh, really detail her 20s. And so she made an album called Reflections in Real Time, which is a really, really interesting, really eccentric and out-of-left-field 
album about like the things that she thinks about things that happen you know so it, it goes through and talks about um distractions and you know has like a, a, a talking at the dinner table segment where it's just a bunch of people talking or a great song called existential crisis hour where she and donald Glover just talk about all of the questions that are making the like making them crazy and keeping them awake at night. Yeah, that's cool. And it's, a, it's a, like a 20-track album, but uh, recently she released a music video for one of the more conventional tracks on there called Fulfillment. And the music video is also very creative and really uh, it was filmed after Keisha's um, performance art piece and, yeah. and exhibition in LA. And um, cool. it's, it's, just a, it's just a really fun, energetic song. It is a really dancey, synth-poppy rap hybrid and yeah I mean like if any song on this album was going to have commercial success it would have been this one but um, I still think that she's pushing she's pushing the envelope a bit, with, a bit with her music and whilst her earlier output was a lot more conventional I think this is like a really artistic album and when I listen to it I'm always kind of in awe that somebody thought up all of these ideas and you know earnestly believed that this was the project to do um, out of all the things they could have done so, yeah, Fulfillment is a fantastic song. It's got a great video. It's by Kilo Kish. That's Kilo with a K. Yeah. Um, and I highly recommend checking it out. Nice. So, the next track that I want to chuck on this is from a band that you and I both really like, Air. Yes. I, <laughs> yes, I really like Air. And when I first Google searched uh, Air, just did a bit of research just so I could talk about them a little bit, um, I found, accidentally went on the Wikipedia page for literal literally air and I did not think that there would be a Wikipedia page for something as basic as air but there, there absolutely it must be I suppose it's yeah be exactly all encompassing encyclopedia anyway air are from France they're from Versailles they're a duo uh, anything about air you've heard them before you know their sound really atmospheric really cool a lot of it's lyricless some of it yeah. has lyrics and the lyrics are very good <laughs> sometimes they're good but, but it, it's never about the lyrics you know even when they're singing it's about like the voices and instrument kind of thing yeah. it's all a vibe with air they air, literally, air, oh, the air are a band that love the vibe don't they, they are the biggest vibers and this song La Femme, La, La Femme, La Femme d'Argent which means um, like the silver wife or something like the wife of money like money's wife wife of money mm. kind of I suppose anyway she so this band so this song is completely lyricless it's the perfect I think you said it perfectly before it's like the coolest lounge music you've ever heard mm. so it's like you would play it in a lounge and it's like not like background music but it also kind of is yeah it's like background music but you actually stop and go oh man if I, if I had to call it something I would say that it is hypnotizingly non-confrontational <laughs> you know like like it's it's such an inoffensive type of music but you get yeah. really into it yeah it's probably music for everybody as well like no one can hate that song really yeah Exactly. It's it's just like a. If you listen to it for like sixteen hours, though, you definitely go insane. Oh yeah, exactly. I, if I had a lounge, I would put that on loop and just let people like. <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, nice. dude, the bass line's so sick. Yeah, eventually you just be like, this is a very long song, and then, and then you'd, be like, <laughs> you'd be like, wait a minute, someone's playing this again and again. They definitely could have released it as just that song for sixteen hours, and yeah. people still would have loved it. Exactly. It still would have been a big vibe. Would have been big. Oh, would have been a huge vibe. Yeah, exactly. It's like the perfect time for two acid trips. Um, <laughs> but Some is my next song. Some is by Steve Lacey. Steve Lacey, I mentioned before when I did my album of the week, member of the internet, very young, production on Tyler and Kendrick's album. Uh, not not yet 20, I think. But um, he released a, his a demo, or not demo, his debut EP this year called The Steve Lacey Demo, which isn't a demo. 
Um, it's a really nice, refined album. But Some is uh, one of the more standout tracks on that. Uh, it's very short. I think it's like two minutes something. Um, it's very groovy, as Ted can attest. Um, and yeah, no, really like the internet. I've said a lot about them today, but they are just the members of the internet are doing incredible things that make the internet a better group. You know, yeah, it's cool. kind of like when you have a group that has. It's like when I think of Genesis, for instance, and yeah. I think of groups that have members with a <laughs> Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, and the other guy, Mike Rutherford. Oh who's, yeah, who's, right. in, who's in Mike and the Mechanics? Yeah, who are a really yeah, undervalued right. band. Mike and the Mechanics. That's right. Undervalued band, man. But no, um. Yeah, I think, like, I just love the fact that there is a band out there that is doing solo stuff and nailing it, really nailing it, and being adventurous with it. And, yeah, I mean, I think they're being grievously overlooked because as much as the successes that the internet have had, um, they deserve more. They definitely deserve more, you know? Um, they deserve to be... Yeah, they deserve to be eclipsing people like Anderson Pack, who are, you know, new to the game, newer to the game they are, and admittedly very good. Yeah, sometimes I like Anderson Pack, other times... I really like Anderson Pack a lot, but I think that like Anderson Pack and the internet are cut from the same cloth, and the internet yeah. are kind of like cut from the same cloth. Ooh. Hey man, I like it. Hey man, look, I'm not going to come in here and talk to you if you're going to rag on my <laughs> rag on my <laughs> Rag your mind. What is this? Rag on my lingo. Oh yeah, it's with you in class. <laughs> See, that's Freudian. See, that's that's me projecting. Um, but yeah, no, Steve Lacey, listen to it. Listen to everything the internet has ever done. Uh, it, you'll be a better person for it. <laughs> oh, what a review. I like that. Um, final track from me is a classic artist, a classic track from one of our favourite artists that we were talking about before. I'm a big Randy Newman fan. And most people, when they hear Randy Newman, uh, <laughs> they think of him as like, uh, like the, just the guy from Toy Story. You hear his voice and you go, oh, that's the guy from Toy Story. And he is. He's yeah, the guy exactly. from the Toy Story song. But not many people actually listen to a lot of his solo stuff and it is so good. I remember first hearing it when I was like 15 years old and actually like liking it as a 15 year old and then moving on from there I just I just really dug it anyway I think it's going to rain today beautifully yep. constructed song and typical raining human gets kind of weird at the end but just like the main verse is just like beautiful I reckon such a good image really simple and just him on the piano mm-hmm. he's actually comes from a long line of composers like a lot of his family were composers which is why he is has a lot more sort of orchestral elements in his music. But, oh, okay, that makes yeah, sense. He's yeah, a great piano player, great arranger, great musician. Yeah, because arranging is a big part of Randy Newman's oh, catalog, huge. you know? Like, uh, it's, it's a big undertaking to write a Randy Newman song. It's a good thing Randy Newman's so good at writing Randy <laughs> Newman songs, hey? But yeah, my final song, you know, it's been a while, it's, it's been reflecting on it, and, you know, every day that goes by, I think about it a little bit, and I'm like, man, isn't it sad that the prince is dead? Um, and, it's, <laughs> and it's really, it is really sad. Um, I'm going to take yeah. this opportunity to tell you all that I saw Prince month and a half before he died live in concert and it was like and I'm never going to stop bragging about it even though most times when I mention it to people that even like Prince a little bit they tell me to go and fuck myself go and fuck yourself can't exactly so <laughs> it's exactly what I'm talking about but um, no I, I think Prince what, a part of Prince that has been much maligned is that as much as he did incredible things you know Sound of the Times the Batman soundtrack uh, Purple Rain oh. uh, all brilliant albums uh, Controversy so on and so forth he stayed productive and you know everyone knows Prince was very productive but he kept putting out records well into um, well into the 2010s and one of those records that I seriously that had some great songs on it was uh, one of the two records he dropped uh, I think it was 2012 he dropped two records on the same day and on one of them he put a track called Breakfast Can Wait which teeters the line between kind of like Prince laughing at himself and yeah. Prince making 
just a really sexy song. But it's a song so sexy and suggestive that like he, he's in on the joke. And to prove that he's in on the joke, he decided to use Dave Chappelle dressed as Prince as the album cover or as yeah, the single true. cover for it. Which uh, yeah, which shows that Prince had a bit of a laugh at his own expense. And I guess the song is just so ridiculously clean and sexy. And oh yeah, it's so sexy. It's under like it's a bit of taste. Oh man. Yeah. Everything in that song is like over the top sensual and it is like Part of me wants to be like, you know, oh, this is not good. And part of me just can't help but feel like this is so fantastic and I love what it. What a great breakfast can wait. Just like, yeah. Oh, breakfast can wait. Exactly. But, like, you, you hear the name and you're just like, oh, Prince. You're like, oh, Prince is being Prince again, you know? He's but, making love to my ears. He's yeah. literally having sex with my ears. That's what exactly. the Prince is like. Exactly. The, like, the, that, that title of a song is a proposition. I'm like, I'm like oh, God damn it, Prince. Like, you're, you're, you're still doing it, you know? Oh, damn it, Prince. What are you, like 60 years old? You're still doing <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah, know Prince's Breakfast Can Wait is my final track um, very nice yeah. dude that is a great playlist that is a great that playlist that is a sick playlist that is actually yeah man I feel like this has been the best outcome of this podcast so far it's just we've just literally been curating playlists that we like uh, to listen to yeah. yeah man I've been listening to these playlists a bit they're great like, so good. like you guys don't have to do shit I'm just sitting here <laughs> making playlists with my friends I'm winning no matter what Anyway, I think Very that's nice. I think that's it for another week. Yeah, you know, nice. with one four one presents Old Mansion. Until next time, see you then, guys. Ooh.